0: This is Jim Fleming. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Stewart Heights or more about our class, or if you'd like to leave us some feedback, you can do so at teachings.jim314.com. Enjoy the lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. So this morning we finish up our... 20 week series in Colossians. So if you got your Bibles, open up to Colossians. And this may be the last time I say this for a little while, unless we reference Colossians in another series. And obviously, then we'll go look at Colossians. But, um, so just to quickly review, if you're on the front side of your handout, uh, you got the map there in quadrant 32 2 slash 3 F is the city of Colossae. Uh, it's real close to Laodicea and Philadelphia. Uh, Right there in the the southern port of Phrygia and uh, just north of uh, Lycia. Um, And we think Paul wrote this letter from prison in Rome sometime around um, AD 60 or so. I'm going to stop. I'm going to resist the urge to make a 60s joke right here. So there you go, right? All right. So in Colossians, here's your first blank, uh, Paul exalts Christ above, and then I've got a list of just tons and tons and tons of stuff. And that's, that's what he does. Christ is above all of these other things. Uh, creation, reconciliation, methods with God, he's above the church, philosophy, law, legalism, carnality, divisions, the Christian's character, our behavior, uh, friendship. Christ is above all. Um, I almost envision, as, as Christ is talking to his amanuensis, writing this letter, that he's wearing a t-shirt that says, ain't nobody got time for that, for anything else other than Jesus. It's just only and always about Jesus in Colossians all the way through. Uh, And the idea is that Colossians was written, here's your next blank, to set straight the idea that Jesus is better than anything and everything that could be mixed in with Christianity. He talks about don't add this and don't add this and don't add this. It's Christ and Christ alone. Uh, The quote here from Guzik, he says, whatever the problem was precisely, Paul dealt with on the solution, a better understanding of, yeah, of Jesus Christ, that's right, better understanding of Jesus, so we're going to start in Colossians 1.1, 1, 1. we're going to read through the entire book, but as we go through, I'm going to stop and make some comments and kind of a summary of the entire series, so on the back side of your handout, if you missed any weeks of Colossians, these are kind of the nuggets all the way through, all right, so if somebody stopped me on the street and said, what is Colossians about? Today's Sunday School class would answer that question. All right, you ready? <clears throat> Colossians one one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the application from week number one was small places with short futures have value to God. So. Anybody remember way back 20 weeks ago why I made that statement? Small places with short futures. Colossae was a big town or a little town? It was a little town. And somewhere around 10 to 15 years after this letter is written, an earthquake hits Colasse and wrecks it. Just completely wrecks it. Uh, it takes a very, very long time for it to be rebuilt. So even a place that has a short Future And God knew the future. God knew that earthquake was coming, was important and valuable in God's eyes, even small places. So if you come from a small town, great. It's valuable in God's eyes. And we have evidence of that because of the historical nature of classes. So personalization, value small places. Don't don't look down on uh, a location just because it happens to be a small place. Verse 3, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is not thanks to these people, but thanks to God for these people, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. That's a great thing to be known for, isn't it? You're known for your love for all of God's children. That's a good reputation. Verse 5, "...because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it also has in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit." as it has also among you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth, as you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. So The application from this piece of the text was love is a witness. Love is a witness. We can be known for this. This can be our testimony. So if love is a witness, I want to examine my life for fruit. Is there evidence of fruit in my life? Is there evidence of that in my life? Can, and this is not a... Well, yeah, I can point to a space where this, I can see this is how I felt. No, no. Fruit is not something you feel. Fruit is something you touch. Fruit is something you can see. So this is not a, well, I felt love toward this person. Well, wonderful. I'm glad we did. This is, did we show up? Did we hold the rope? Did we do the work? Could it be seen? So verse 9, for this reason we also, since today we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. So who's praying for them? We, right? There's a group of people here with Paul coming in and out of his life. So for this reason we also, since today we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled. This is the first time this word shows up. It's the word crammed, full, with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father. Again, thanks to God, not thanks to them. Thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Remember that word qualified? We talked about the Olympics and this idea that, that when, if I wanted to go compete in the Olympics in... Uh, What's something that, that I could compete in the Olympics in? Math class. What, math class? <laughs> I actually, so if I'd made straight A's in math, I probably could have competed in the Olympics in the math class, but I, I didn't. Uh, I just didn't quit taking the classes and they eventually gave me a degree. So I'm, I'm really not that good at it. Um, something I can compete, curling. Is it You said curling? I would love to compete in curling. Because, you know, have you ever watched, anybody watched curling? You know the sport, yes, on ice with the and know, with the broom, and um, the first time I saw him, I was like, why is he screaming at this rock and saying hard, hard? I was like, what, what is his problem? He's got some issue, right? But anyway, so if, if I wanted to compete in the Olympics, I have to qualify. I have to go through the process. I have to go through the steps. I have to show that I'm good enough. This word is somebody else qualified me and let me go in their place and participate. So the Father who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in the light. So God the Father qualifies us so that we can be partakers of the inheritance. Absolutely mind-blowing stuff. He has delivered or rescued us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God. So if you read through the Old Testament and you go, who is this God? What does this God look like? Well, he looks like Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus Christ showed up, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn in importance over all creation. For by him all things were created or fabricated. So so I I, I was talking with Julie this week, I had a I had a question that I didn't quite know how to answer. Um, So in John chapter one, who is the word? Jesus is the word. That's the easy part. In Genesis chapter 1, who speaks? God speaks. Which member of the Godhead speaks? That's what I wanted to say. I really wanted to say Jesus speaks. So what do you do when you have a question about the Bible? You use the Bible. Yes, thank you very much. You use the Bible. So I looked at the word God in Genesis chapter 1. It's the word Elohim. That's God. Elohim, it ends in I-M. That's plural in Hebrew. It's like adding S on a word in English. Elohim, I think they all three may have spoken. Let there be like. Now, think about that one for just a second. So Jesus is the word in John 1, and he was part of the voice in Genesis 1. So when it says all things by him were created, yep, He was there. He spoke this into existence. All things that are in heaven and that are on earth. So this is one way to divide up all things. All things that are visible, all things that are invisible. This is another way to divide up all things. Whether thrones or offices or dominions, these are rulers or governments or principalities, the head rulers or powers, the authority behind the rulers, all things were created through Him and for Him. One of the commentators that I read said that Jesus can look out over the entire created universe And over any piece of it or over all of it, say, Mine. I think that is awesome. I serve a God who owns it all. All things were created through him and for him. And, Sean? And. But wait, there's more. That's right. He is before all things. And. Wait, yes, stop drinking. I'm going to need you. In him, all things consist or are set together. Uh, Lightfoot's got a great quote. He says, he is the principle of cohesion in the universe. He impresses on creation that unity and solidarity, which makes it a cosmos instead of a chaos. So when you hear scientists on television talk about the great chaos, it's not chaos. No, 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 no. Every, every atom in the universe is under his control. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, physicist, so I don't know, like the pieces inside of an atom, they're under his control too. So you can keep going as, as far down as we understand and then farther, because I'm sure there's stuff that we don't understand just because we can't see it. He is in control of all of that. It is, it is cohesive. In him all things consist. And... Wait, there's more. Now he's got it. All right, he's got the Ron Popeye voice. He is the head of the body, singular. There's one body. The church, singular. There's one church. Who is the beginning? The firstborn from the dead. He is the firstborn from the dead. Jesus took my death to the grave, and he left it there. And he brings out life, and he gives that to me. He is the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, he may have the preeminence. Because there, quite frankly, there is no other spot for Jesus. He is first in any list he is first. So application, there is always more with Jesus. I love the ands in this part of Colossians chapter 1. So look for the more. Look for the more. Just when we think that we've got him figured out, Sean? There's more. There's more. There's more. Verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, or house permanently, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. See, Christ is going to fix the universe one day. I think he's actually going to fix it by destroying it and then creating a new one. But in, in, in Revelation, and I think we'll get there, it talks about the, the heavens and the earth burning up with a great, um, different translations, great vehemence or great uh, power. And if, you, if Christ is exactly the cohesion in the universe, if he is holding all the atoms in the universe together, if you release what is holding all the atoms in the universe together, they will all explode and the universe will be no more. That's an interesting way to go out. Now, so somebody asked me at work the other day, do you believe in the Big Bang? Actually, I do believe in the Big Bang. I just think you've got it wrong in your chronology. I think it's at the end of all things, not at the beginning of all things. And, And then after the Big Bang, God will do his thing, and he will create again, and it will be a place of unbelievable wonder. So different, in fact, that the writers of the Bible say that we can't even understand it. Now. (laughs) How awesome is that? How awesome is that? It's fantastic stuff. So, by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, having made peace or harmonizing through the blood of his cross. Verse 21, And you who were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. That's us. Because the Colossians were Jews and Gentiles. So this is us. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and but wait, so not just holy but blameless and but wait there's more <laughs> above reproach this, this word for above reproach is unthinkably guilty there is no scenario in which if somebody was charged with a crime that you would think that they were guilty of that okay so I think for this example we picked a child and said mass murder did we, did we talk about this in, in Sunday school? Yeah. So, Austin? Hey, Austin. Austin. Hello, Austin. What's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> cool. Do you have any toy guns at home? Oh, yes? Goodness. You got a cool... Do they actually fire real bullets? Yeah. No, of course they don't. So, would we ever consider that Austin had actually committed a real crime with a real gun? Of course not, right? I mean, this is this is ludicrous to think this. There's no scenario that we would think this. That is the word here. This unthinkably guilty, above reproach, in His sight. Literally, the word means standing directly in front of. So there will be a day where we stand directly in front of God. What are you going to do then? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, Jesus. I have a feeling Jesus is going to stand in front of me. And that's all God can see. And it is a beautiful thing. So when I am standing directly in front of God, I will will seem to be holy and blameless and unthinkably guilty in His sight. This is good news. This is amazingly good news. If this doesn't stir your heart... I've got a quote for you that I read a couple of weeks ago. It said, If you go to a church where the gospel is proclaimed on a weekly basis and you are no longer stirred by it, the problem is not the gospel. Right? I mean, that's... It was a good... Was a good uh, very abrupt, as Daryl would say, two by four to my head. Uh, here's where we are. Blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed or since you continue in the faith, faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you've heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So the application is God reconciles us. He reconciles us. This is not work that we do. He does it completely and wholly. Huh. You can use holy, both definitions there. That's good. When you speak, you always think a couple of sentences ahead, and you, I'm playing things back in my head to make sure I didn't say something that would you know, deny the doctrine of the Trinity or something. So... I got that one on the rewind, it was good. Verse twenty four I now rejoice in my sufferings. Thank you, Sean. The proper here's Sean's quote The proper response to suffering is rejoicing. That's There's a lot going on with that statement, I'm telling you. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, Colossians, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of His body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill, second time this word shows up, to cram full the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations but now has been revealed to His saints, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in in Christ. Not perfect in Paul's doctrine or in Apollos' doctrine, but perfect in Christ Jesus. Sean said if Paul had a business card, it would not have directed people to Paul, it would have directed people to Jesus Christ. Because that's what he was all about. He was all about redirecting that. So verse 29, To this end I also labor. His labor had a purpose, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. So what's the application? Suffering is part of Christianity. So how do we do? What do we do with that? We encourage and admonish one another. So when we see a brother or a sister suffering, hey, this is for Jesus. Suffer well. Before we get to that point, hey, we're going to suffer. Let's suffer well for Jesus Christ. Colossians 2. For I want you to know what a great conflict or agony I have for you and those in Laodicea. This is the city just down the road. For as many as have not seen in my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged or comforted, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the fullness, the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, you remember that buffet, that salad bar of things that were presented to the Colossians? There were a whole lot of different things. Gnosticism, we are almost confident, was one of those things in there. And this was the idea that, that everything material was rejected. And it was only focused on the spiritual. It was all about the spiritual. So, to know and understand the spiritual realm was considered to be very high. And Paul says the only way you understand the spiritual is through Jesus Christ. So he takes their Gnosticism and he breaks it. (laughs) I love it when philosophies die at the feet of Jesus. It is a beautiful thing. Because all the philosophies in the world, other than Christianity, are going to be broken at the feet of Jesus one day. Because they will not endure. Sean, that was not in my notes. Did you just write that down? Thank you. I'm going to put that one in. Alright. So what's the application here? Love is critical. Because if he didn't love these Colossians, this wouldn't happen. And the personalization is agonize over loving each other. This idea that that the things that I agonize right now about, whether or not Vandy was going to come back last night and beat MTSU, which they did, uh, the things that I agonize about are not the things that, that Paul calls me to agonize about. I'm supposed to be agonizing, have I loved you appropriately? Well, that's a, that puts things in a different perspective, doesn't it? Right? Verse 4. Now, this I say, lest anyone should deceive you. And this is deception up close with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit. Now, remember we talked about, we use this phrase periodically. Well, I'm with you in spirit. Yes. You can use that when you're locked up for the gospel. Until you're locked up for the gospel, let's show up and hold the rope. Right? So let's make sure we're on the same page here. Yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So I ask this question over and over and over again this lesson. Who am I in? As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk or go on walking in Him. So who am I in? Am I in Him? Him? Verse 7, Rooted and built up in Him, who am I in, and established or stabilized, because the ground is rocky, in faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men. So not only who am I in, but, but what am I going along with? According to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ, what am I going along with? For in Him, who am I in, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete, This is the third time it shows up. You are crammed full in Him. You are only complete. You are only filled up and leveled off to the top in Him, who is the head of all principality and all power. Robertson says there is no other place for Christ. He is first. So application. Who am I in? And what I go along with matter. So the personalization, get in and go with Jesus. Jesus comes up quite often in the summary of Colossians because it's all about Him, in case I haven't mentioned that already. If you look at the wording at the top of the other side of your handout, it says what? Christ above all. Above all. Anything and everything. Alright, verse 11, chapter 2. In Him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So Christ cuts away spiritually this dead flesh and replaces it with new life. Buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. And you, Colossians, you believers, you Christians... You, Stuart Heights Baptist Church, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him. See, we, we think sometimes that we are sick people who need a doctor. We are not sick people who need our doctor. We are dead people who need a Savior. Whole different problem. Whole different problem. He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you All trespasses, having wiped out or anointed over. This is a this is a physical touch job. You don't anoint from a distance, you anoint up close and you get your hands dirty when you do it. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements or that IOU that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken the tense here is once and for all, taken it out of the way, having nailed it. To the cross. Now we talked about in this lesson that there was something nailed to the, to the cross of Jesus Christ that was above His head. What was above His head? There was a statement that was above His head. King of the Jews. Was that a true statement or a false statement? True. It was a very true statement. It was a very true statement. And, and it, was, it was recorded in Scripture. So on that cross, Jesus proved His accusation that He was the King of the Jews and He dealt with ours that I'm guilty. It was beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful what he did on the cross. Verse 15: having disarmed or spoiled principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle or an exhibit or a specimen of them, triumphing over them in it, in the cross. On the day where everybody thought Christianity lost, Christianity actually won. They thought that they were hurting him, they were building up to their own defeat. It's amazing. When Jesus wins, here's your application. He wins publicly. This, this whole Revelation whirlwind tour that we're doing on Sunday mornings, you know, when Jesus comes in the beginning of the Gospels, it's the enfleshment of God. the God, Flesh is wrapped around God and it is contained in a human body so that God does not overwhelm us with His presence as He did many times in the Old Testament. Revelation is about the unfleshing of that the true revealing of who Jesus Christ is, and that revealing blows the world away. It is overwhelming. So when he wins, he wins publicly. Verse 16, so so Paul starts to, he's now going to deal with some philosophies. The first one he deals with is legalism. "'Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ.' Verse 18, he talks about mysticism now. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Verse 20, he starts to deal with asceticism. Therefore, if you died with Christ... If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulation, to regulation? So he's saying, why are you going back to the law? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. Which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom. So if you want to have an appearance of wisdom, go be a legalist. In self-imposed religion, false humility... Write that one down too, Sean, that was good. False humility and neglect of the body. This is what asceticism is. It's saying that I'm going to deny myself all these things. Well, that, what is that going to help? That's not, that's not what Christianity is about, but of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. This is not going to help us. So the application is shadows are real. There are shadow philosophies and theologies in the world, but I want you to be satisfied with the substance. The only philosophy in the entire planet that has any substance that will endure is Jesus Christ in that that alone. Colossians 3. If then you were raised with Christ. Have you been raised with Christ, church? Yes. Yes. So, yes. So, since we have been raised with Christ, seek. He starts to use imperatives now. The imperatives come out in full force. Seek those things which are above. Love heavenly things is what Clark says. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, set another imperative. Your mind on things above, not on things in the earth. For you died... And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Because the future is always better for the believer. Verse 5. Therefore, since we're dead, since we've died, since we've been raised with Christ, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. In which you yourselves once walked... When you lived in them. So our focus should be above. So what I want you to do, I want you to look up. I want you to look up. Because when we look down, we take our eyes off of Him. Look up on Christ. Verse 8, But you now yourselves are to put off another imperative. All these things, anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you've put off the old man. See, the old man's looking back at Adam with his deeds and have put on the new man. The new man is looking at Jesus who is renewed or renovated in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. All these, uh, my, my wife, HGTV, yep, you've seen these renovation shows? Yes. Y'all ever watch these renovation shows? Yes. This is how they typically start. He's a drifter and she just graduated college with $400,000 in debt. Their budget for a new home is $7.3 million. <laughs> we're going to tour Europe for three weeks trying to find them a place that they can comfortably afford. And you're like, what? I mean, how do you... I, I've, yet, I've yet to wrap my head around how these... Yeah, whatever, okay. All that stuff is about renovating stuff or finding a place. Paul is saying, my brain has been renovated with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I have a new body. That should excite us. right? because I have to live in this thing for the rest of my life, I'm glad he did something with it. Put on the new man who is renewed or renovated in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, so racial distinctions disappear in the Christ. In Christ. Circumcised nor uncircumcised, so religious background distinctions disappear. Barbarian, speech distinctions disappear. Scythian, cultural distinctions disappear. Slave nor free, class distinctions disappear. But Christ is all and in all. So, what about this? Well, Christianity has commands to follow. And here's what they look like. Put off and put on. It's real straightforward. Put off and put on. Put off with one step, put on with the next. Put off with one step, put on with the next. Wash, rinse, and repeat. Now, implementing this next paragraph only works if we implement the paragraph before it. You cannot do verses 12 through 17 if you have not done verses 1 through 11. It does not work. So therefore, as the elect or the favorite of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. After this lesson, Doug Skinner sent me a note, and he said, I cannot help but to think of a steel band around an old wagon wheel holding it all together. If one spoke is broken, then it becomes a rough ride. But if you lose that band around the whole thing, you go nowhere. Well, just mic drop on me. That was awesome good stuff. (laughs) Above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule or umpire in your hearts to which you were also called in one body. This is peace in the body, not peace in an individual. And be imperative, thankful. Let an imperative, the word of Christ dwell or be at home in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So this do all in the name of the Lord Jesus is a filter. Because if we can do something in the name of Jesus Christ and give thanks to Him in the name of Jesus Christ, this is now in the realm of something that we are okay doing. So filter my life in Jesus' name. Filter my life in Jesus' name. Now, starting in verse 18. Who is talking... Paul is still speaking to believers. He is still speaking to people who are in Christ. We cannot expect a pagan to follow what is happening in verses 18 and beyond. Wives, submit an imperative to your own husbands. And submission is not inequality. There's an order, it's his Steadman here, there's an order of authority in all of God's world. The Father observes it, the Son observes it, the Holy Spirit observes it. Everything in the universe observes this. Submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love, an imperative. Agapeo, your wives, and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey an imperative your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke an imperative your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey an imperative in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Don't keep your eye on the clock. Verse 23, And whatever you do, do an imperative it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men. Did anybody go and put an as to to the Lord sticker on their computer at work? I did. Good, solid advice here. You want practical advice for your, your work life? You put an as into the Lord sticker on your monitor at your work because that's who you're working for. That's who we're working for. We're working for the Lord. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give, an imperative, your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So what's the application? Everyone is under authority. Everybody is under authority. So what do we do? We learn to live as number two. Or number 3 or 4 or 5 or 467, whatever the number might be, but it's not number 1. You can pick a number as long as it's not number 1. Verse 2, chapter 4, continue earnestly in prayer. This is your private life, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us, for Paul and those back in Rome, that God would open to us a door for the Word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I also ought to speak. So Paul asked for prayer, not for his circumstances. Thank you, Dave Barber. But rather for the message of the gospel. It is not pray to get me out of these chains. It is pray that I'm an effective witness while I'm in these chains so that the gospel can spread. Wow. Just... You don't have these kinds of responses without the Holy Spirit working inside the heart of a believer. It just doesn't happen. Verse 5, walk or behave in wisdom. This is your public life. To those who are outside, redeeming the time, let your speech always be seasoned with grace. Always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So keep your head down in prayer and make prayer a lifestyle. Make prayer a lifestyle. Let me get to the final greetings, the shout-outs. Tychicus, a beloved or agape brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. Paul is literally in chains. He's been in prison and he is concerned about their comfort. What manner of love is this? With... The great redemption comeback story in the New Testament, number one, Onesimus. This is the slave in Philemon who defrauded Philemon, who lives in Colossae, who he and Epaphras and Tychicus are going back. I'm sorry, Tychicus and Onesimus are going back to Colossae and have a letter. One letters is to Philemon and the letter say. says, Forgive him, forgive him the, the faithful mm-hmm. and beloved boy, who is you. They will make you all things which you Aristarchus and greet you with Mark. This is comeback story of the New Testament number two. The cousin of Barnabas. comeback story of the New Testament number three. Because Barnabas and Paul had a falling out. They had a falling out so bad that they actually split up in the middle of a trip. So I don't know if you've ever gotten angry enough at somebody that while you were on a trip that you left them. <coughs> this is where they were relationally. And later on with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called justice. These are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. You know why? Because agape brothers and sisters stick. They stick. They don't run when things get hard. They don't take flight. They don't take the easy way out. Verse 12, Epaphras, we're almost done guys, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently or agonizing for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete, crammed full. The fourth time it shows up. In all the will or the pleasure of God. This is the only person Paul ever brags on in the entire New Testament for their prayer life. Maybe we want to pay attention to that. Verse 13, for I bear witness... For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphus in the church that is in his house. Now when, not if, now when this epistle is read among you, see an imperative that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea and say an imperative to Archippus. This is some kind of a ruler in this Uh, Church, Take heed to the office or the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it, that you may cram full, that you may completely and utterly complete this ministry. This salutation by my own hand, Paul. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. So what's the application? Jesus is worth chains. So live for Him no matter what the consequences. Colossians is a rich little letter. I hope you learned that Christ is above all. I hope you love that Christ is above all. I hope you live like Christ is above all. But most of all, I hope you believe that Christ is above all. Because He is. And He is worthy. And I have loved 20 weeks in Colossians. And I hope you have too. I think we got them all on the podcast. I think we have all 20. So kudos today, Barbara. Thank you very much for that. It's a lot of faithfulness in this area. What you guys don't see is Dave gets here early, sets all this stuff up uh, even when alterations happen and uh, then sets it up again sometimes and we go from there. So thank you, Dave. I appreciate your faithfulness in that area. Uh, several announcements on the weekly update. Uh, make sure we, we, we continue to not do well in the area in red uh, on the weekly update, so please focus on those. There's a whole explanation of all the women's ministry, the Unwrapped Missions event on the back side of that handout. Uh, so before you go, make sure you're aware of all the dates in the Uh, items there. Uh, Lean in together as a group, pray at your table. When you're finished praying as a table, you can stack your chairs in sevens at your table and you are free to go. So thanks for coming to Sunday School, guys.